Welcome back, Crusaders, to the New Crusade Podcast, episode 39. I'm your host, Ian, with always with me is Courtney. Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about some TV shows and some new stuff that we've kind of stumbled across upon, um, but we'll start with, you know, the the ones that you know that we've been watching, uh, Loki, Our Flag Means Death, Goosebumps, and then we'll be talking a little bit about Scavenger's Reign, which is something we just kind of came across. Yeah. All right, so we'll start off with Loki. This week was episode three. No. No, was it three? Was it? Wait, yeah, yes. Yes, it was three. Yeah, yeah episode three, 19, 1893. Uh, basically, this is the part that they showed in the trailers for the when they first announced season two of Loki, mm-hmm. which was Morpheus and... Mobius, I'm sorry, Mobius and Loki Look. finding he who remains like at a World's Fair... Uh, like stage show yeah and also there was kind of the this clip as well in uh the ending credits of ant-man i want to say ant-man or doctor strange one of the two there was an ending clip i don't know the one ending clip of ant-man i remember is the the council of the kings i don't remember this well then it was probably in doctor strange but it was in one of the movies that you saw a clip of the loki show which was this episode yeah um, so basically, uh, they spent like the last two episodes basically dealing with now problems that had to be fixed immediately. Yeah. First Loki, mm-hmm. and then um, the br- uh, the the burning br- of all, all the t- uh, branch timelines. Yeah, the branch timelines being uh, shut down, which like it was kind of pointless. Anyway, even though like they killed like ninety percent of the timelines, they all just continued to branch off again anyway because decisions people make yeah cause branches so um it's kind of a fruit it was a fruitless event to sit there and try and prune all the all the branches at once because they were just going to branch out again anyway yeah. all, all it did do is buy them some time to prevent the loom from exploding but the loom is still about to explode and they can't they, reach it so they need miss minutes or or he, he who remains. remains because it's locked down by whoever created the, the TVA. The TVA, which is he who remains, who that guy's dead because Sylphie killed him, but there's a variant of him on the, um, what do they call it? The main timeline. They call it something else, but it's like yeah. the main timeline, which is where they jump, where they can jump back in, uh, to, um, which is where this episode takes place. And this is basically catching up with uh, Renslayer and what exactly is going on with her Miss Minutes mm-hmm. and the fact that he who remains had a plan in case his death happened because as he said it to them in the ending episodes like if you kill me there'll be a huge war there'll be a bunch of kings I'll show up I'll be all over the place and eventually I end up back here being he who remains at the end of time because he figured out how to destroy all the other timelines with the Basically, the monster at the end of time. Yeah. Which I'm surprised, like, they haven't gone back to that being, like, this is the solution to kind of stop some stuff and, like, maybe prevent the wars from happening. But... Well, we'll find out. There's still more season left in this show. Yeah, I mean, basically, they just spent a lot of time just with, like, we have an emergency right now, fix this, and don't worry about the big picture. Yeah, that was the first two episodes, so you're automatically in that high, hyper-focus. This was... Mm -hmm. In my opinion, kind of a nice lull, catch you back up, 
get you uh, up to date on what the other threads in the storyline are happening and coming back to the main focus. Yeah, I figured it also gives us a little bit of character uh, knowledge about Kang himself. Yeah, or at least this version at of Kang. This version, which is a version that he who remains had a plan for to reinstate himself back on top of the TVA, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then we got also more information about Miss Minutes as well. Yes. Um, <coughs> she's an AI that he created. And that she basically goes crazy in this episode. <laughs> well, she's madly in love with her uh, creator. Yeah, which is... That's the only problem I would say about this episode is, like, a lot of things were very predictable. Yeah. As soon as, like, keywords or certain things were said, you're like, okay, this is what's going to happen next. Um, And then other things happen that you're like, you could have prevented all your problems if you just did this. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but again, you want to have a show yeah, if these happened. Yeah, comic book logic of oh, we need the plot to keep going, so you, so we so can't we can make sell the more books. <laughs> but basically, what happens is uh, Rensselaer shows back up on the timeline. She's gone back to like eighteen, maybe seventy or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to drop off a book, which is the TVA handbook, to the child version of Kang in nineteen seventy something Chicago, or eighteen seventy something Chicago. Mm -hmm. Then they jump ahead to the World's Fair in, 19, in 1893, uh, which is being held in Chicago. Um, and he's there showing off a bunch of different prototypes of random things. But one of the, pro the prototypes that he shows off on stage is technically the loom. Yeah. Um, but he has no idea necessarily exactly what it's going to be doing or how it works. Like He's basically talking about powering a city with the, with the loom, but that's not what it does eventually. Uh, Eventually in the well, future. he was also talking about using it to power the whole world. Yeah, which again is not what it really does. But he's utilizing multiversal energy, basically. He's figuring yeah. out a way to kind of do it, at least in a prototype format, based off of the knowledge he got from the TVA handbook that Ob wrote at the TVA. Which this is the like one of the parts where it's like. Okay, yeah, I know King's smart, but like he initially said he was a scientist, he was studying multiverse stuff, then came across other versions of himself, and then came across more and more and more and found out that parts of him were like wanting to conquer and destroy shit, and that's how the multiversal war started. Obviously, that's a different timeline than this, but it seems weird to be like, hey, poor kid in. 1870 Chicago, here's a TVA handbook that basically nobody at the TVA seems to understand except for OB and the one and the one uh, guy. Yeah, that's become, now become OB's assistant. assistant. Those are the people who seem to understand that book inside and out and bother to remember anything about it. Hand it to this pork in 1870 and he somehow becomes the next Tesla by 1893. Well, again, this is part of Kang's plan if he died. Yeah. So he knew that this variant could either a pick up from where he left off or we'll be able to understand, yeah, or understand, 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 the, understand book. the knowledge or what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, I think it's comic book logic, but again, again, but it it's just a comic book yeah. show. So you have to expect those comic book elements and logic and you just kind of have to roll with it and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but, that's, but see, I think that's the one problem with the MCU to begin with. is like when it began with Iron Man, it was taking comic books and bringing them into the real world and it, trying to explain everything to where it at least made sense where you could connect the dots. Like, okay, I, that's believable. To where now it's gotten to a point where, 
okay, we're going to do crazy shit because we need plot and we don't care if it's believable or not. But that's how all comic books start, though, is it started off like, all right, here's it's fantasyful, but here it's grounded in our, you know, universe and reality. And then it eventually gets branched off and it's like, oh, here's World 112 and World 113 and here's how it's different. Yeah, kind of sort of. I mean, I feel like comic books and all books, all literature, fiction literature, literally originally sets you up with, here's the rules of our world. All right, here's how we, and here's how it applies. And those can be very different from what we have and we just accept it and we move forward with whatever their rules are. Mm -hmm. And they try not to break them or at least they... When they do break them, they make it plausible to how they could be broken. Mm-hmm. And when you do live-action movies, you're literally trying to take the fantasyful. And if you're not trying to create the world that's already in, you're trying to bring it into our normal, into a world that we understand. So we can place some of our own rules of, of science when not into that universe. And then they break beyond because a new knowledge happens, blah, 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 blah. I feel like Iron Man is trying to root stuff in reality and then slowly bring more and more things in like Thor and all that stuff that breaks all those things mm-hmm. and then but everything kind of was a step that you could make a leap to but then what happens is later on you start getting to stories where it's like we're gonna take this giant leap of faith and not bother to explain to you how we got to A to Z yeah but you're just gonna have to go with it that's kind of where the TV shows and stuff I feel like are going where it's like okay we're just gonna go here don't worry about how we got there <laughs> we're just here now um, we just made this giant jump but, but like, I feel like with Loki, though, it didn't make as big a jump as some of the other uh, shows and uh, the newer movies have. Oh, definitely. I think they've, they've they've done a better job. I think this is just the first bit of, like, we're starting to see little hints of them doing it. Yeah, the bigger, <clears throat> that they're starting to do, like, bigger jumps that yeah. you don't like. Well, it's just like, okay, we're now going to, like, all right, throw that, throw out this and we're just, we're just watching fantasy show or whatnot, basically. Yeah, it's but, go turn your brain off and enjoy a show, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, all right, so anyway, what happens in this episode is uh, yes. Mobius, Renslayer, all of them show up at the 1893 World's Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find him doing his demonstration. Basically, turns out he's kind of a charlatan and a con man. He's basically selling people prototypes. That don't work at all. That don't really do anything, yeah, because, like, what they do is not what he thinks, what he explains them to be doing. I mean, he literally sold, like, mechanical pants to try and make somebody taller. Yeah. Which... And then when he meets up with the guy and he's like, oh, look, you are taller. And so he's like, yeah, he starts, yeah, he starts, like, kneeling down. Like, <laughs> so I think good. you're being taller already. I was like, he's kneeling down, isn't he, all doing that? Yeah. I thought that was great. And I, I really love that performance. I'm like, oh, yes. But, like, the big key point that we find out about him is that he doesn't do partnerships. Yes. As soon as anybody mentions, hey, we can be partners, he's like, I don't do that. Yeah, but he's automatically turned off and it's like, nope, we're not. Yeah, so, like, through all this, Renslayer is trying to convince him to go with her, Mobius, and Loki are trying to convince him to come with them because they need to save the TVA. And then Sylphie shows up. It's like, I'm just going to kill him. Yeah, because that's what Sylphie does. Again, Loki has to convince her, like, don't fucking kill him. We need him alive so we can fix the TVA and not destroy the entire universe. And somehow throughout this, throughout the like little fight and squabble on this Ferris wheel, she basically lets him go and lets Loki take. Well, him. no, 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 because they come to the end of the Ferris wheel ride. She blasts them out, and uh, he who remains escapes. Yeah, because Miss Minutes does her thing. Which yeah, is, does like a giant ghost clock. Because it's been it in the newspaper everybody. that there's been this ghost clock looking thing showing up places. 
and so she becomes a giant kaiju Godzilla ghost clock and scares all the people at the World's Fair. Yeah. And in the confusion, they all get to run away. Uh, basically, he remains as teamed up with Renslayer. They're trying to get his pro- go back to his lab to get his prototypes before he can leave with her. Which but is in Wisconsin? His main lab's in Wisconsin, but they go back to his house first. Yeah. Well, it, no, well, it's not his house. It's just kind of his little hideout while he's Yeah, in where Chicago. he has like a refrigerated chair that he shows her, right? Because yeah. like, he's a crazy inventor. He keeps inventing stuff. Uh, a lot of things based off of what he saw in the TVA handbook. Um, but they go to like this kind of goofy, like Scooby-Doo run around the block type of thing, trying to find, uh, I, getting chased by people. I really liked how the camera work was done. Cause it was almost a one shot yeah. for the whole thing. And it was done, I think really well and in a fun way. Yeah. And obviously they get away or whatnot, but while they're on the boat to cross Lake Michigan to get to Wisconsin, to his primary lab, where all his prototype notes are at. Um, that's when Renslayer mentions, oh, we'll make a great partnership. And like, he's immediately like turned off from her. Yep. The whole time, like he was flirting with her, trying to get in her pants. And as soon as she said partnership, he's like, <laughs> get in her pants. he's like, nah, I don't do partnerships. And basically Miss Minutes convinces him to, to dump her, uh, off the lifeboat. And she has to row her way to Wisconsin. Yeah. Which surprisingly, she does fairly fast to show up later so, on. It must be that they weren't that far from the port. Yeah. So... I guess. I mean, Lake Michigan's big. <laughs> yeah, well, again, um, they, they must not have been that far from port if she was able to yeah, get over there. Yeah, she did. He gets to his lab. Like, uh, Loki and Mobius show up. Well, after Miss Minutes uh, freaks him yeah, the fuck out. Miss Minutes fucking, like, professes her love for him and says, like, she, she, he needs to have her by it, by his side. And, and they give her be a partners. Body. And, like, of course, that freaks him out, but he's able to shove her back in the little... The little device that keeps her uh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> and that's when Mobius and Loki show up. Um, Renslayer, Renslayer shows up. Sylvie shows up. Yeah, Renslayer basically finds this prototype of the time wands that basically mm-hmm. purges people. Um, so he's come quite a, quite a ways in his prototypes of building stuff that becomes the TVA, which is what we get to see there. Uh, but in the end of all this, and we're dealing with Sylvie and everybody, Sylvie lets Loki and Mobius take him. Uh, but she's given the option basically to kill Renslayer, but doesn't basically because Renslayer, uh, well, basically she gives a, still gives a monologue saying like, you just want your seat at the end of time. Mm -hmm. Well, here, I'm going to give it to you. So she kicks her to the end of time where he remains corpses at. Yep. And she, and since, uh, Renslayer has Miss Minutes, she opens up Miss Minutes and Miss Minutes has a reveal that, oh, there's more to you than just being part of the TVA Renslayer, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, whether it's like it ends up being King's wife or daughter or something, who knows? Or another King. Maybe a female version of King, yeah, who knows? Which could be very interesting. It's just like there's more secrets upon secrets to be revealed. Um, but now this place is like Miss Minutes and Renslayer against everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know where King's going because obviously he can't be trusted. Well, no. Because <laughs> he, he'll probably fix the TVA in the next episode and prevent it from exploding. But he can't be trusted because he doesn't want to work with anybody. He doesn't want to share anything. Mm-hmm. So he can't be convinced to like do the greater good thing. He's just going to grab power as he can. So I'll we'll see where that, where that goes from there. Yeah. Um. But it was a good like characterization of him and like 
getting some insights into his quirks, like the big thing of him not wanting to share and not doing partnerships in any sense, whether it be, um, he, as he said to the people at the fair, like, I want investors, not partners. He doesn't want yes. anybody giving him any input on anything. He just wants their money. Yeah. Um, so he wants, what he'll eventually want is just people to give him what he needs to do what he wants, but he won't want to share any of the power of it. Which probably is why he has to erase memories and restart the TVA with the timekeepers eventually. Yes. Because he's not sharing power, but he can't make it look like only one person controls it because people rise up against that type of shit. Yeah. It's um, like, oh, we can't have like a whole one person to rule them all thing. It's like if it's there was a con- uh, council, it's like, oh, that's fine. It's yeah. like a peer or somehow... <clears throat> The five of them work it out. Yeah, like three mysterious beings is more believable than one human being being all-powerful type of thing. Um, and not wanting other people to rise up to try and grab that power from him, basically. Because mm-hmm. clearly he's not infallible. He had, he had to erase the past of the TVA that was made in his image to redo it in the Timekeeper's images. Yeah. And rewrite their history uh, in order to keep the lie working, basically. Yep. Um but that was that episode. It was kind. Of, some people were kind of thinking like it was kind of meh, kind of just kind of, kind of middle But like you said, this is good. Like we're taking a break. We had the last two episodes of immediate shits happening. We need to fix it. Yeah, now. it's just bam, 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 bam. Action, action, action. Let's go, go, go. And this is just kind of a ah, a breather episode. So I thought it was great. Next episode, I'm sure at least the first half will be crazy trying to get the timeline yeah, normalized and stable. Um, or it could be another just, bam, bam, let's go, go, go. Yeah. All right, so we went to the next show we were watching was Goosebumps. Yes. It had five episodes come out originally on its debut. and then yep, just last one, week. And then just one episode this week. This episode called Night of the Living Dummy, which if you're a fan of Goosebumps, especially like, uh, their books and their live media stuff, the, the dummy comes up all the time. Yeah. In their storylines, even in the movies, the dummy was one of the main focuses. But basically, this was like story time with English teacher Justin Long, because it literally just kind of picks up where they left off of the kids outside his house. They said, hey, I'll tell you everything. Come inside. Yeah, I'll tell you everything that's going on. And they basically <laughs> sit on the couch, and he explains the entire past. Yes. <laughs> of that, this is a dummy that was found by their, like... Or his... His great-great-grandfather great- or something. Or just... Great- no, it was just his grandfather, because it was in the 1920s. So it was, like, the kid's great-great-grandfather or something. It wasn't his great-great-grandfather. It was He said it was his grandfather. Okay, yeah, yeah, the kid's grandfather, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So that makes it... Because he's a teenager in the early 90s. <laughs> that's right, early 90s, that's right, okay. So, yeah. I'm trying, like, to, think about, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, like, who he is to Justin Long, and Justin Long's the uncle. Is a distant uncle. So would that... So he would be, like... The grandfather's would be his uncle, then? Yeah. It had to work something like that out? Yeah, some type of... Because he's related to Biddle, it's just like... He's, but his last name is not Biddle. Yeah. He's, so he's either um, a, uncle on the Biddle's wife's side or something. Okay. Yeah, stuff like that. Because yeah, she <clears throat> he was originally married and had a kid, and then he ended up living alone after he found the after they left him because he was obsessed with the dummy. Yeah. Basically, Biddle was like a stage musician in the 1920s or something that was like really shitty at it. Then. Basically finds this dummy in a magic magic store, which is where you find all mystical evil items. 
uh, finds an incantation card, and of course, like every idiot reads it out loud. Yeah, it's like read it. Well, what's in this? Your head. Let it's me like, read, read this it out in your loud head and be like, "Huh, I'm not going to read it out loud because fuck that noise." Yeah, then everybody reads it out loud. Dummy comes to life. Dummy makes him popular because and successful, as successful as a kind of a comedian. Vin- yeah, ventriloquism. Yeah, act. Um, and he gets obsessed with that. Uh, to where he's working to find, I guess maybe the dummy's original body, but they find he finds it. They go to they raid it. He hires people to raid it to him. They bring back a sarcophagus. Yep, and then they get another um, incantation. Yeah, from like he said, pull from the vest pocket of the of the body. That's yeah, in there. And it was literally just a coffin with like a door, a mini door on it that you could open up, and he could put his hand in there. And then that's when he had some vision of like. I don't know what it was. It was like a stairwell burning. Or, yeah. I don't know if it was the Statue of Liberty or if it was Eiffel Tower. It was just something tall. And that, burning. And it was on fire. He says, I can't let you do this. And then he basically packs up the dummy and then uh, refuses to use it. And then uh, buys the house. Buys in, the house in, Ple- in Port Pleasant. No, Port Lawrence. Port, yes. Is where they're saying it is. But this is clearly somewhere in Pacific Northwest. Uh, and stuffs it in the basement wall, lives his life alone until he dies, and then the Biddle family gets the house, and they move in. Yep. And all I know about the Biddle is that the kid was seriously bullied at his last school, so they basically moved. Mm-hmm. The house was like an opportunity to move and let him start fresh somewhere else, and then the parents were really concerned about him being a loser and getting bullied again. So when he finds the dummy and then starts like obsessing about it and using it, they're like... Don't take the dummy to school. Don't do this. Let's, let's think about this, son. Which is kind of because, like, they do care about him. Like, the the father definitely, like, hey, he has pet worms. Let him be weird and have his pet worms. Yeah. Let him do his hobbies. Um, Dad gives him, like, the camera. Uh, the Polaroid, Polaroid camera. Polaroid camera. It's like, hey, photography will help you join a photography club. And then you'll meet people. That's how he meets the group of friends and all that stuff. Um, but it's him finding the, the puppet, finding the incantation, reading it. Because everyone's stupid. Stupid. Don't read weird words out loud if you want to find it. Moral of the story. Don't read weird words out loud. It was not in English. Don't read it out loud. Read it in your head at first. Yes. And I was like, huh. Because everybody reads it. It's like, that meant nothing. And then they just put the card down and then boom, the the dummy's alive again. It starts talking to you. It's like, oh, well, fuck this. (laughs) Um... So, again, the dummy's trying to do, basically do the same deal. Hey, I'll make you popular, famous, or whatnot. Makes him think all the friends that he had weren't really his friends. Um, and he ends up, like, exposing all their secrets on stage to where... Um, basically gives them motive to, like, make you think why they would go kill him. But Nora sometimes convinces them that, no, it's the dummy. And that they because she saw the dummy talking on its own. In a classroom. In a classroom. And, like, I think... I don't know how she gets the other kids to believe her, but they say, fine, let's go get the dummy from him. Yeah. They go to the house, and that's when the black kid sees the dummy alive, because he grabs it and starts talking to him. Yeah. So they're there to steal the dummy, and then, because they killed the power, and Bill went, like, put a guy, grabbed a candle because it was dark, they snuck in, grabbed the dummy... And we're trying to leave, but then Bill gets locked downstairs, and they accidentally... Well, they start pounding on the door, saying, like, open the door and let us help yeah. you. and somehow it pushes back enough to where he falls down the stairs. Well, he, like, freaks out and just, uh, I guess the initial landing of the stairwell isn't that wide. So he 
trips, falls down. Or maybe it's not sturdy because when they first go down there, the mom's like, oh, watch out for these stairs. Oh, I guess these are pretty sturdy. Yeah. So maybe they weren't a sturdy. Sturdy. Maybe maybe a step broke or something. Yeah. Or something. Basically, he falls down the stairs and lights the basement on fire. They can't open the door. They leave. Freak out. Leave. They're outside. And that's when they see the explosion, the demon facing the fire and all that. And basically, it's like, he's dead. We need to get rid of this fucking dummy. Um, But basically, it outlines that, no, they didn't go there to intentionally murder him. They went to try and help him, but they didn't really communicate that to him themselves. Yeah. So Biddle takes it as, no, they came here to murder me. But, like, when he's reading the story, the kids are interrupting Justin Long, like, oh, good, our parents aren't murderers. Like, no, your parents are fucking murderers. It's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Just how Justin Long's, like, yeah, he's whole like, acting in this episode is wonderful. Just yeah. yelling at him, saying, like, wow, you have such short attention spans. You can't enjoy a good story. Your phones, your tablets, put that stuff down. Just listen to the story. Because basically, it's Biddle trying to tell them, like, your parents are bad. This is why they deserve what's happening to them and why basically as it seems like a plea like hey you should be on my side because your parents are fucking murderers yeah and while he's reading the story he's like oh no okay they were his friends like no they weren't his friends they hated him it was like but no they no, weren't they... his friends you're telling us the story and they were trying to help him yeah uh, it's like do you not understand the words coming out of your mouth sir <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um so as we saw in the last episode, it was like, if you just stood, stayed there and called the fire department or said, hey, this is what happened, nobody would have been in trouble for murder. It would have been a complete, complete accident. And well, no one was charged with murder. Or yeah, because... It was linked back to them. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But, it like, was just, if, but like, if they just admitted to it, nothing yeah. would have happened to them anyway. Their fears of, I can't ruin my life, I can't go to prison type of bullshit, like, that was never on the table. Right. There's, like, the circumstances of what happened, leaving out the supernatural would have been accidental death he got locked in the basement dropped the candle and it caused a fire right not that like oh we came here to kill him yeah um because they could have said it was a prank gone wrong or hey we're trying to help him he was disturbed and then this happened nothing would have they would not have gone to jail like their concerns were like unfounded yeah unlike like I know what you did last summer like we ran this dude over and threw his body off the uh, off into the water Maybe we killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go to jail. Yes. <laughs> Not, oh shit, we're in their house. He fell down the stairs and the basement caught on fire. And we can't open the we door We can't to... open the door to get him out. What the fuck? That's not, hey, you try to kill him. Right. So, but like they go and plan to get rid of the dummy and like there was like ideas to go to the cabin in the woods or then put it in the mine. But they take, the kids run off to try and hide the dummy somewhere. Um, and then that, and that's how the story, the story ends. ends with then, but the kids saying, oh, our parents didn't kill them. They're not murderers. Biddle getting upset at them and just along yelling at him to then finally reveal, I'm not the teacher. I'm Biddle and basically transforms the front of the show. Like, Hey, I'm the yep. ghost. And that's how the episode ends. Yep. Um, oh, you also forgot to mention that the second, uh, incantation, uh, it turns people into it, puppets. Yeah, it turns people into puppets, and that's what happened to Biddle's parents. Because yeah. uh, he caught them trying to burn the doll. Yeah, and he got mad, so he said the second incantation to, at them, and they turned into puppets. And that's why people thought his parents just up and, up and disappeared. disappeared, or their parents killed him and ran away, or something like that. So that explains what happened to the whole Biddle family. It's all has to do with this dummy. The reason why the worms are cursed, the mask, the camera, all that maybe is more tied to an angry spirit. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that all 
Excuse me, all ties from the power of the dummy. Maybe it does, who knows. But well, we can find out in the yeah. next episode. I'll have to explain it. But basically, for Goosebumps show, this is done really well because the old, previous Goosebumps shows are just independent stories like where that were basically condensed versions of what there were in the yeah, book. Yeah, it was just a book of a week. Yeah. Now, this, this is nice because they've taken those in, independent stories and branched them together to make one giant narrative that's fairly interesting and we'll be interested to see where it goes from there. Yeah. Only thing that this kind of causes a problem for is that this story arc becomes a season. When that season's over, what's your next story arc? Do you have to start with a whole or new Or is cast? this just a one-shot story arc? Yeah, which they could be doing that too. Which, but it seems like for streaming services that want to keep people coming back, you don't want to just do a one-season show, one-season story arc. You want to keep well, people going. Well, to be fair, uh, American Horror Story does that. Where it's yeah, the a whole, different... Yeah, their whole premise though from the get-go was, yes, we're going to do different stories every season. Yeah. We don't know if Goosebumps is going to do that. Especially considering that it's not like, hey, here's Night of the Living Dummy, and we've just extended it out to eight episodes. It's, mm -hmm. hey, here's like six or seven different stories. We're combining it to... And linking and them linking together. together. Okay, eventually they run out of material, then they got to start making up their own stuff. We'll have to see what happens with it. It's it's interesting. I still think it's probably one of the better, like... Goosebump adaptations? Yeah, it's probably the best Goosebumps adaptation I've seen. It's one of the better, like, horror for children yeah. uh, TV shows that are on right now. All right, uh, but been... definitely recommend it, so yeah. go check it out. Disney Plus, every f Friday. Friday night, there's a new episode. Alright, so moving on, we're on to Our Flag Means Death Season 2. The season's almost over. Next uh, week is the end of the season, which makes me super sad. It felt then, very quick. Well, that's mainly because they released, what, three episodes first? And then two last then week two, and two this and week. And then two this week. And these two episodes... And it makes sense. I mean, those episodes all connect very well and, and tell arcs. Mm -hmm. um, the last two episodes was Calypso's birthday and <laughs> then Man on Fire. He's so good. <laughs> um, basically, uh, they introduce Ned Lowe, who mm -hmm. is a real pirate, um historically but he's known in this universe as like being a torturous piece of shit like complete asshole pirate yep and had the most raids on the seas yeah it was until most blackbeard uh broke that in his depression uh months yeah so they base he's basically out to go get blackbeard or get revenge against blackbeard of the crew of the revenge because of them breaking his record uh interesting fact is that he's played by the guy who plays Balky in Perfect Strangers, or Serge in uh, Beverly Hills uh, Cop. Uh, what is his name? Where is he? Yeah, uh, Bronson uh, Pichault. I think is how you pronounce it. Really brilliant actor, uh, especially here. Like, especially like he always started playing. He, play, he got his big start on TV sitcoms playing a foreigner with like a weird European accent and he was kind of like um, typecast into that role throughout his career because even in Beverly Hills Cop he plays that role yeah just a different character not um, Balky um, and he played the Balky character on like his show that character showed up I think on Family Matters on Step by Step like all throughout 90 sitcoms he was on TV playing that type of character um but in Our Flag Means Death, uh, he gets to play Ned Lowe. Um, pretty cool, like, looking costume. He's, like, in, like, almost all silver, right? Yes. And he plays the violin. 
Um, and basically, the crew needs a needs to like relax and have a party, so they basically make up Calypso's birthday for a reason to yeah, as a uh, celebration. Yeah, a reason to have a party. It's, it's a holiday, so we have to do it. And the funny thing is, like every time they mention it to somebody, it's like, oh, okay, cool, you're Cal- they've been Calypso. They're having a party. Yeah, so like everyone knows what <laughs> what it, it means. means. Yeah, uh, which is the nice thing about the show is like when they make up random bullshit, the rest of the world's like, oh yeah, cool, that's what that is. Yeah. They um, just go with it. Yeah. So they throw a big party. Uh, Ned Ned basically crashes it. Um, <laughs> the two other... There's like two crewmates that you'll notice are, are missing throughout this Three, entire time. Yeah, until about the last five or eight minutes of the show. Yeah, because basically... Which is the two that got, got engaged. engaged at the end of the last... Or the previous episode... Because they've just been fucking the whole time. Yeah, they've been below decks fucking the whole time. And they're like, oh, why did we stop? Oh, yeah, the hurt, they heard screams and people uh, crying out. Cause, like, so they're going to go save the crew. <laughs> yeah, in their clumsiness, which is hilarious. Um, so basically through all this, um, they get the drop on Ned Low basically, because being the gentleman pirate that Steve Bonnet is, yes. convinces Ned's crew to turn on him because he's an asshole to them. So they all turn on him, and Steve gets to make him walk the plank. But it's kind of faced with a choice of, like, once you murder somebody, you can't go back, yep. and this is going to change you. And Blackbeard tries to kind of say something to him well, about it. Blackbeard is saying this to him as uh, Ned is walking the plank, like, eh, this isn't the best idea for you dude like don't get your hands bloodied but Ned's again while I'm saying like see this is why Blackbeard likes you because you're like a pet you're not a fully ruthless pirate mm-hmm. and when you do he's gonna leave you so like he ends up pissing off Bonnet enough to like Bonnet throws the violin at him while he's on the plank and basically knocks him off yeah and then is now known as the guy who killed Ned Lowe and so um, he becomes famous, and all the pirate community loves him because they go back to um, basically Nassau. Yeah, Nassau. They don't call it Nassau, Nassau though. They just call it the pirate, like a uh, not concave, but just like a pirate haven. Yeah, um, and that's what but Man on Fire episode is all about. Yeah, it's him getting all this fame, and everybody appreciating him. Being Blackbeard saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you're gonna be famous. People are gonna buy you drinks. Somebody's gonna try and kill you." Um, you'll have a great time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great, honey. And all that stuff happens. Even a guy tries to, like, fucking kill him and, like, breaks a bottle on his oh, head. And we forgot to mention, Blackbeard and Steve Bonnet finally get together. Yes, he tries to console him after killing Ned. Like, they basically just fuck. Yes. <laughs> and, like, everybody's happy. Everybody's, like, cool in the situation. Even Izzy's like, great, this is great. You guys are together. You guys deserve each other. And be all that happy. stuff. And it's just the fact that like Blackbeard's at the point where he's like he threw out he threw his leathers out. It's like I'm not being a pirate anymore. I'm done. But net, but uh, not net, but uh, is Bonnet or Bonnet is now at the point where he's the most most notorious pirate, and he's now at the high point of being a pirate and wants to continue being a pirate. Yeah. Uh, so that's at ends with the that's at odds with the relationship, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happens in Man of Fire. You see. Him going through, Bonnet going through, like, the phases of, like, he's famous, everybody loves him. He literally kills, like, doesn't really kill a guy, but he kills, lights a guy on fire with a flick of a cigar because the guy was trying to kill him. And was spilling his drink all over him, so Ned saw that and was like, oh, I just couldn't light you on fire yeah. and you could have my face. <clears throat> but, and, like, 
almost all the relationships are made up. Even the uh, Queen of the Pirates, uh, the the crew kind of convinces her to go meet up with the uh, other guy, and like they break, they mend their relationship, so that everything's working there. She's gotten she's actually focused on her plan and not going after them like we yeah, thought she was. Yeah, this was like another big uh, plot point of this show and episode was her whole plan of coming into. Uh, the Caribbean from and, China and, and uniting all the pirates is that she now has a giant pirate fleet. And then basically she gets in contact with the guy who got his nose cut off. Who's like now known as like, yeah, a prince. He's a pr- well, he, yeah, he was, was a, a prince. prince. Yeah. And basically offers him like, Hey, you could be known as the person who ends piracy by just paying us all living wage and we won't pirate. Um, this is where like, I feel like it kind of fell apart a little bit because he agrees to it, which cause like that she's a good uh, negotiator and, uh, laid out the plan properly, but then he insists to send like a, a grandfather clock to every ship or grandmother clock, probably. Yeah, well, that was a grandfather clock. Yeah, well, you don't know, depending on the height. I think on a ship you go grandmother clock because different ship sizes and whatnot, you have a smaller clock. I don't know. Either way, he sends them all grandfather, grandmother clock to be one on every ship for some metaphor about time thing, which like she pretends, like, okay, I get it, I guess. She's like whatever. I'm like these are all fucking bombs. Yeah. Like, the only reason why it's on every he's meant to be on every ship is he plans on sinking every single ship and then he can end piracy. But like pirates are kind of oblivious to that. They don't know. There's just this fucking grandfather clock that they're trying to figure out where to put on the ships and. Yep. Like it pops up once in a while in this episode, but you mostly forget about it. Yeah, it's really twice. It's when it arrives, and then when the auntie's on the ship's like, get the get the fuck off my deck, put it down below, below, like, below yeah. or something somewhere. And the rest of the episode is about Steve Bonnet being famous and everybody getting free drinks and everybody loving the crew and all that. Yep. Crew having a good time. And then at the end, uh, the pirate chick, um, the queen of the pirates, and um, what is his name? The guy that she fancies. Um, Well, he's going to go and join her ship. And sound like some of the crew like jack might as well yeah um, that's the thing is that bonnet now is so up in his head about how how notorious and popular he is and when he sees her like last time he saw uh zen zeng was that she was going to kill them all mm-hmm. but she kind of left that behind and did her plan anyway right yeah um but he sees her and is like oh now you're just trying to steal my crew why are you poaching my crew and he's trying and basically picks a fight with her thinking that he's a badass yeah thinking like oh i can win a fight against you and it's like no, she's no. queen of the pirates for a reason. Yeah. And you see her show off her swordsmanship and kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, basically she shows everybody that he's pathetic and not a real pirate. Yeah, and uh, basically tell him, say mercy, say mercy. Like, says, I don't want to kill you, dude. Like, just give up. Yeah, he he fails utterly at all this. And on top of that... Uh, Blackbeard has left because Blackbeard's like, I'm not going to be a pirate anymore. I can't be on your ship because I'm not going to be a pirate. I'm going to be a fisherman. He decides to get hired by another group of uh, fishermen. fishermen and yeah. becomes a fisherman and leaves Bonnet. So Bonnet's like, was on top of the world, got broke, uh, got dumped. Again. Again. And then thinks that there's other captains pushed his crew and picks a fight that he can't win and then ends up getting his ass kicked and embarrassed by everybody. And just at the end of the episode where they all, where you think she might actually finally end up killing Bonnet and she's finally falling apart, it's like strikes midnight, all the clocks go off, and all the ships fucking blow up. (laughs) 
And it's like, yeah, the guy put bombs on your ship so he could end piracy and not have to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was an obvious thing that was going to happen. <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. But what's kind of cool about that now is that instead of all these people at each other's throats at the end of this episode, they're all going to be united now to get back at the prince. So she, uh, and it looks like they're going to probably get uh, Blackbeard back for, like, this big ending battle that they're going to have in the in the season finale. Yep. Um, because so all the pirates are going to fight against the English, uh, who are the ones that set the uh, bombs on their ships. Yeah. Only th- the only issue I have, with, I have with this is that, like you said, it just feels fast because they just dumped episodes out. Yeah. And, like, now it's like, here's the final episode next week and that's it. Where it's like, you could have still just did one episode at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, for maybe you want to put the first three out because it is a darker arc. But after that, just one a week. It would have been fine. Yeah, so this will be over next week. Um, new episodes out on, I think, Thursdays or Fridays on HBO. Yeah, Thursday. Um, um, still a really good show. If you haven't seen the first season or this season, like, we'd highly recommend go watch it. If you're a fan of pirate lore and whatnot, there's lots of references in there to actual real pirates and the the lore and, and culture of pirates back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely worth checking out. Now, the last show that we're going to talk about is something we just kind of randomly came across on HBO, which is called Scavenger's Reign, which looks like it's an expanded version of um, the directors and writers, like kind of... Uh, a short short story um, like pet project that they've been yeah. working on forever called scavengers and now that's uh joe bennett uh and there's another person here <laughs> i'll find the directors because it's not listed on the imdb like a normal episode would be um cast and crew oh. <laughs> so joe bennett and charles uh Huthier, Huthier, were uh, like doing the same project called Scavengers, which now has gotten some money, has a production company behind it. Um, there was an animated shorts that they've done prior, and now they're getting to like kind of tell the full whole story. And what this is is a sp- space sci-fi story about a cargo ship called the Demeter, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Same same name of the one that of the ship that took Dracula to yes the New World. <laughs> um, but basically, this cargo ship Demeter crash lands and goes missing, and like the freight company's like, yeah, nobody's gonna care about it. I'll just let them know that it's got, that it didn't show up, and it's about the survivors of the crash surviving on this weird ass planet and trying to find a way to get off and go home. Yeah, and like so. So far, it's a survival story. There's like been five. There's five survivors that we've met, um, and like one guy was trapped by himself. Went crazy. Went crazy. The one chick had a robot companion with her, which she kind of made a fortified area of her own. And then there's these other two who are trying to get control of the Demeter remotely and make it land on the planet so they can try and do repairs and get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about this is that this is high-quality animation. Um, I wouldn't say it's, um, like, CGI animation or anything. No. But it's done really well, and it's done to the point where, like... It's really highlighting alien life, and it's doing it in a way that's really alien, where it's like, not every alien's a humanoid. Not every alien has 
ears, mouth, eyes, the legs, and arms, and fingers, and whatnot. Like, some of it's bacteria, some of it's blobish, some of it's... It's very fungal, too. Yeah, on this planet. Like, the bird, like the bird thing would land on the side of the of The, the ship, and, and then... then just form into it. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting, and, and hearing the commentary, which is very little that some of the characters have, uh, like the old guy who like they have to put this one animal on their up their nose in order to breathe gas. He's like, I hate this planet. It's like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's kind of suck when you realize you have to like take the organs of other animals and like stick it to your face, face. and stuff to make it work, <laughs> or so you have a gas mask. Yeah. Um, because thinking like, he crawled into another animal that was alive and started ripping shit out of it, and then made it vomit him up to get like two rocks that light up. Yeah, two things that light up first. Uh, something. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting like how this planet functions and I think that's the best part of this show is h- how the planet works. Yeah, it reminds, it reminds me a lot of like um, No Man's Sky or even Starfield where like, when you're exploring a random planet and you're seeing really weird crazy life on the planet. So it takes a step further because it's like, in those games it's like here's a plant, here's, a, here's fauna and fauna. Like animal life and plant life, and that's it. Here we we see both of it, but like both of them can be very deadly. Mm-hmm. Where like plant life in all those regions, like they're benign; they do nothing. Not, not plants, not carnivorous. It's not going to hurt you. You don't have to worry about fungal gas or anything like that. It's just wildlife you have to worry about. Here it's like the animals can kill you, and there are these weird looking things that can go after you and attack and attack you, or it could be a fungal plant or fungus. Or there, and the one crazy guy got stuck in his escape pod, who finally gets out, gets out because there's an animal that basically mind controls other animals to be his bidding, and this one basically does it to him. Yeah. Um, and then he is controlled by that, and so I think what we're gonna see in the further episodes is is these characters all, at least the the ones who have their own mind trying to escape, and then. We're going to see what happens to this guy who's now, like, the slave of this other creature. Because mm-hmm. um, they've never had a human a human being as a thrall, so we'll have to see what, how it uses that. Yes. Um, but the animation is very strange. It reminds me of, like, back in the day of, like, um, Vampire Hunter D, Outlaw Star, Cowboy Bebop, A Ghost in the Shell, Akira. Like, very highly detailed animations that you don't see nowadays. Because everybody... Anime has the look of anime today is like very cutesy or very much. There's shortcuts in doing animation yeah. styles. Back in the day, it was how much detail can we put into stuff and keep it moving smoothly in animation. Nowadays, it's like how can I cut shortcut all that so I can tell my funny story or your the stupid harem stuff. <laughs> Jesus, I mean that's all anime is nowadays. They're all fucking harems, apparently, <laughs> of just big titty women trying to go after one dude or, or vice versa. Um. This is nice to see, like, a sci-fi story being told, like, a straightforward story, but just being done in animation for the reason why anime was really appealing, which was, this is shit you can't do with practical special effects at the time, or with uh, CGI effects to make it look good. Animation is the best way to do it, and they're doing it. Yeah, because so, if you try to do this show with practical, or even with uh, people, or just live action, I should say, it would cost... A fortune. Yeah, it would cost a fortune, or it would look too gross, or it would look, it would look too, too weird, go- too goofy. Like you're not going to find the right medium to get the unsettledness that they want you to feel from it, but understand it's an alien planet, and then see how these people are coping with it. Mm-hmm. So 
definitely good sci-fi um, so far. Three, Three episodes, episodes out. Um, and they come out every Thursday. Yeah. So new episode will be out this Thursday. Okay, called Scavenger's Rain. It's on uh, HBO Max or Max app. Um, new, sh- new show. Definitely check it out. Definitely worthwhile. Uh, if you like animation, uh, you'll enjoy it. If you like anime, you'll definitely enjoy the detail in the art here. And the story and the telling. S- and the storytelling is done very, very well. Almost on the level like Primeval, where like there was Primeval has like no dialogue. Yeah. There's lots of sequences you here. You mean where Primal? It, Primal, that's what it is. Primal has no dialogue. Where this has dialogue, but like it only comes up when it needs to. Yeah, because people aren't constantly talking. Even if it's just the two of you, it's like. You got your shit to do. I got my shit to do to survive today. Let's go. We only talk when needed. Yeah. So definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, very good show. You'll definitely... I think people who like animation will definitely enjoy it. I'm excited to see more of where it goes just because mm-hmm. it's visually interesting, uh, which is kind of the alluring thing to like sci-fi uh, otherworldly exploration is what's the weirdest shit that I can find and what does it do and how does it work? This is kind of highlighting a lot of that. Um, so definitely recommend it. Check it out. Uh, that's our show this week. Uh, don't have a whole lot to talk about in gaming one other than Spider-Man came out, which looks really good. Uh, we won't be playing because we don't have a PS5, but Marvel Spider-Man 1 was good, and Miles Morales was really good on PS4, so I'm assuming this is on par with that. And reviews seem to say the same. Um, other than that, I think the next big game coming out might be Alan Wake, which would be next week. Uh, towards the end of the month, it's like the twenty. It's the twenty seventh, twenty eighth. So that would be this week. Okay, so it's at the end of end of the month. Basically, it's coming out, um, and that's kind of the end of like the big games coming out for the year. Yeah. Uh, because not a whole lot of stuff is coming out in November and December, um, but we'll keep posting on, on anything changing in the gaming world and whatnot. But that's our show this week. Uh, check out these TV shows. I think you really like it. You can catch us streaming mainly Starfield and Phantom Liberty and whatever else we're playing on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash the nerd crusade. Ooh, you should do Halloween this week. It's yeah, I should play. I, should, I, should, I need to finish Resident Evil 2 and 4, 7, and 8. I think oh, 8's the one I've actually beaten. I haven't actually beaten the other, the other remake yeah. of the games. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll do some Halloween games. We'll do some Halloween games this week uh, on Twitch and uh, our YouTube channel, The Nerd Crusade. Uh, catch us wherever you want to listen to podcasts. That's where we uh, put our podcast out. It comes out every Tuesday. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.